Welcome to episode 549 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther. And this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. Richard, it's been two weeks. Yeah. And I still don't feel like there's a ton of news. <laughs> no, there really isn't. This is an unusually slow period. I don't expect this time of year to be as slow as it's been, but part of it could be that my focus hasn't been on tech. I don't know. No, I don't. No, okay. it's not you. It, it's just the news. Okay. <laughs> it's not you. It's them. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like I'm breaking up, but uh, that's not the case here. Although, do, do you feel like we got dumped by the listeners? Because we don't have any listener feedback. Ooh, well, no, I don't feel like we got dumped because we have live listeners tonight. And I always ha- love having people in our live chat. They do make it a whole lot of fun. If if you regularly skip the very end of the podcast and you've forgotten that we record this show live, we live stream it using Twitch almost every time we do this show. So Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, typically uh, over at the digitalmediazone.com slash live or on Twitch. Uh, there's a live chat room. It's a lot of fun. We have so much fun with the people who show up in the chat room. All right. So... No feedback. So let's just jump right into the news. This is a cool story. Like it's it's kind of out there, but I think it is aimed perfectly at the longtime fans of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So we received notification about a week or so ago that PlayOn is now integrating with channels. I can't tell you how excited I am about this. So let's let's talk about what this is and how this works. Because, you know, at first glance, you think, wait, I don't understand. There's no reason why you can't have play on and channels pointed to the same folder. And so as a result, then everything that play on records, you can just watch in channels. It just shows up. Yes, that is absolutely true. But maybe you should remind our listeners what play on is. Oh, come on. Y'all know this, don't you? Maybe play not. on. It's kind of a niche service. This is true. So play on courses, of course, is this service that we ponder every year wondering how do they legally allow us to record streaming content off of our subscription services? But that's what they do. It allows you to record stuff off of your Netflix service or your Hulu account or dozens of other services. And I guess about, what, three or four years ago now, they came out with this concept called Play on Cloud. And the beauty of that was that you didn't have to run this on a server at your own home. You just signed up for it. You pay per recording and you let them do the recording on their server. And presumably the way they get away with it is that they literally record it as it's playing in real time. So they're capturing it in real time and you wait the whole time for that recording to happen. And then when it's recorded, you have the ability to download it either to your mobile device or you could download it to your desktop. And I know I've talked about this on this show, Josh. Oh yeah, it's just been a while. This Play on cloud download to your desktop process is a big, huge hassle. 
they send you an email message and you click a button on the email message that says download. And that takes you to a page that you have to log into. And then you log in and you get a thing that says download this to your desktop. And so then you get to download the file to your desktop. And then you have to figure out, okay, well, now what am I going to do with it? I'm going to put it on my Flex server. Or I'm going to put it somewhere the channels can see it. So that whole manual process was arduous. This update takes all of that out of the equation. So now, if you have Channels DVR and you're using Play on Cloud, where you don't have to have it running on your own box, it's just up there in the cloud, you can use, you can connect these two things together and you can set it up so that Play on Cloud content automatically gets downloaded into your Channels DVR area, which is just amazing. I love this. It is a really cool idea. It is a brilliant idea. And I don't know if you remember this or not, Josh, but years ago, I remember standing in front of the folks at the Plex booth when they were talking about their channels, the thing that they had where you could like look at these different streaming services that they had integrated. And I remember saying, man, I wish you could just integrate with Play On somehow. That would be fantastic. And they were like, oh, you know, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, wait for some of the stuff that we're going to announce. And instead, you know, now you can play games on your Plex (laughs) server. Like, who cares? So they just so want to be the everything instead of doing the thing that they do really, really well. So now Channels is doing it. And I am so psyched about this. I haven't been able to play with this. I'm not at home. I, I, I haven't been able to set all this stuff up. I haven't had time to set all this stuff up. So I'm hoping that I can try this out before I get home. But if if not, certainly I, I will be setting this up to use like regularly because if I miss something, this is how I record it. Yeah, it's a great option for recording things from the web. Two questions. It's been it's been a couple of years since I've played with, with PlayOn. And I've never used Play on Cloud. But one of the limitations with Play on that I remember was that it would record at a maximum of 720p. Is that still an issue? Oh, yeah, that's still an issue. They're working on it. They are talking about 1080p support soon. I don't think we know when yet. Okay. I'm not going to hold my breath. No, it but has you been know what? Years. Yeah, I know, but come on. I mean, you know, I was just watching something last night on Disney Plus, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you you have watched it since it came out with your kids. They just released the uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's version of Cinderella mm. with Whitney Houston and Brandy, and <laughs> that was originally made for TV. So it was originally 480i. And I don't think they did anything to really properly upscale it for newer formats because it just looks so bad. And (laughs) as I was watching that, I was thinking, you know, I can watch DVDs or content that I have like backed up or ripped from the DVDs I own onto my server and they look better than this. And I'm completely used to that. Like I'm used to having to watch DVD quality stuff. And it still looks okay when you're looking at it on a TV that upscales. So I, 
I'm not too worried about the 720p. Okay. So the uh, the other thing, though, and, and I'm not trying to be a, De- a Debbie Downer here, but I, I just want to point out some of the other issues. The channels library stuff, like the, their their functionality for cataloging your own recorded content, it's it's a little rough. It is definitely not as good as Plex's libraries. That is for sure. But what I have found is that it does a better job with TV content than it does with movies. Mm. I took movies out completely. I don't even try to watch movies through channels. That's Plex is my movie thing. Channels is my TV thing. And I'm completely happy with that delineation. And I have all of my TV libraries accessible from the channels library. And it, it works fine from what I can tell. Okay. I mean, you know, every once in a while you get a weird match, but it's, you know, it's only as good as the data is. Right. So will you, will you set this up? Like does actually, this is a good question that I, I don't know. Uh, as I was reading through the support documents and stuff, I, I don't know how it handles this. And and since I haven't played a ton with the channels library stuff, how well does channels distinguish between a play on cloud recording of a TV show versus a movie? Because oh, you could record a movie off of Disney Plus. No, that's all. Well, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Play on itself usually does a good job of that. Play on itself usually properly names a file or a TV show if it's an episode of a season of a TV show so that you don't end up with any weird problems there. So I, you know, I I don't know how it's going to do from any firsthand experience, but I would expect that it will probably be able to differentiate those. Okay. Because it sounded like it was going to dump all of the recordings in one folder. And normally you would have your movies and your TV shows in separate folders. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting point. Yep. And so the question then is, is channels able to differentiate and make them appear in the right place, if you will, right in your library? Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. That'll be interesting to check out. Yeah. I have to think they've thought of that, but I'm not sure how that's all implemented. All right, so this is a cool feature. I think it is exciting. I uh, can't wait to hear more of your thoughts on it since you are an avid, well, user of both of these services. Yeah. So you're like the ideal the ideal person for this. <laughs> I don't think either of us are the ideal person for this next service. I'm regularly complaining about services like this, and that is IMDB TV. This is one of those services where they give you free access to uh online shows and movies uh but of course you have to watch a bunch of ads to do it this is imdb tv is actually owned by amazon and the the real news here is IMDb is owned by amazon well right right (laughs) so uh the the news here is that this service which has been around since 2019 is now available on the xbox it's they're kind of taking their sweet time rolling this service out to people, which I don't fully understand. Um, it's it's on Roku, it's on Apple TV, iOS, and Android. 
And it's on, of course, the Amazon Fire TV devices uh, as part of the Prime Video app. It's just baked right into Prime Video. But it's not on, you know, lots of other devices. It's apparently not on Google TV. It's not on um, PlayStation, I'm guessing. Like, there's, I don't know. I guess those are the only other ones that I can really think of. It's probably not on Switch. It's funny. I hadn't (laughs) thought of this as being scarce because I have Apple TV and that's been our primary way of getting to streaming services. I think that we're finding that many of these services target the consoles last these days, right? Like it, they're, they're kind of even after smart TVs in some cases, which is just seems kind of crazy to me. Well, it it is when you, when you think of the fact that back in, I don't remember the year, the late 2000s, the first device to get Netflix streaming was the Xbox 360 because the game (laughs) consoles were the machines that had the hardware, you know, powerful enough hardware to do this. Yeah. Well, and and, yeah. Now you can run it on anything. Now you run it on a dongle. Everything has hardware H.264 decoding and now even newer uh, video and audio codecs. So right. pretty much anything can run these sorts of services. And and I think as as the years have gone on, especially from the influence that the that the PlayStation had on on the game console market, the game consoles are are kind of returning to be it's the place you play your games. We've got some of this other stuff, but we're here for your games alone. Like after the uh I I'm not even sure how to describe what what happened with at least politely what happened with with the Xbox One at it, at its launch right. when they were like, right. "Hey, we're going to be your your everything box, your right. your games and your movies and your shows and your live TV service and and all that stuff." And Sony was just like, "That's stupid. How about we just play games?" And Sony won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. So I think we're going to see this as a trend as services roll out that these consoles are going to probably be last on the list. I will say that as this service goes in particular, I've watched stuff on IMDb TV and they, in in my experience, that is where I've been able to find things that I might otherwise find on something like canopy meaning that every once in a while they have like these kind of obscure, but really good titles that you're not going to find everywhere else. So don't expect that you're going to find the same old crap that they're offering on Plex or Roku or anywhere else like that, or uh, what is voodoo? (laughs) The voodoo experience just kills me, but yeah, this is different content and I like that. Yeah. Uh, GP three in the chat. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to move on. I, I I don't, I don't think I want any of this content. I don't care. Uh, GP three ask in the chat, didn't the Xbox get HBO max before Roku and Amazon? I think so. But wasn't that really more of an issue about revenue? Oh, it's totally a licensing and revenue deal, a revenue sharing deal. Yeah. That Roku 
and Amazon both demand a certain amount of revenue from revenue generating content from on their uh, big providers channels. So they weren't going to just, it wasn't a matter of they didn't develop the app for it. It was a matter of the, like the gatekeeper wasn't going to let them in unless they paid their way. Right. Right. All right. Well, our last video story of the week is about, uh, Chromecast with Google TV, I, I, which I really kind of hate this name. <laughs> like, I, I, I don't understand why this doesn't just get called like Chromecast Plus or something like that. Everything else has well because the Plus is reserved for streaming services. Oh, right. Richard, did for you streaming learn anything paid, last paid episode? Streaming services, right? <laughs> Unless it's documentary Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow, that really stuck with both of us. It sure did. Sure did. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Chromecast with Google TV. It's the new $50 Chromecast dongle. It's also and formerly called Android TV, but now Google TV dongle. Apparently they're working on a kids profile uh feature type of, of support coming soon. And we say apparently because Google hasn't officially announced it, but the the comment came from a Google employee. So uh, I, I think that's a pretty safe bet that it's coming. And they say probably in about a month. So what does this kid's profile feature look like on Google TV? Well, it, it sounds like you you basically, as the parent, get to say, all right, when I'm in kid's profile mode, they only get to use these apps. And so like it defaults to put in YouTube kids, not YouTube uh, but you can pick different apps too. Like maybe you're going to throw Disney Plus on there, uh, you know, things like that. And then if the kid wants to get out of the kid's profile, they have to enter a pin. Pretty pretty standard kids mode stuff here. Other than that, we really don't know much at all. Like you know, the the big thing that we love about this new device and and this new experience from from Google's streaming dongle here is how well it integrates with so many different apps. So is the kids profile thing also going to integrate well with other apps? So if I put Hulu on there, is it going to, into the kids profile section, is it going to launch into a a kids profile account? If so, how does it know? Like, that's the question. Like lots of these streaming services have kids profile type sections, but you know, with, with Netflix, you can have, I don't know, six different profiles or whatever. And you can say, you know, these three profiles are all kids profiles. So which one is it going to log into? I don't know. Or is it just going to let you pick any profile? And if you throw Netflix on there, your kid could pick your profile and then watch some, you know, horribly violent, you know, movie or something like that. So we don't really know how it might work with, with things like that. but. Regardless, it's good to see them them working on that. And hopefully what that means is that they're going to work on multiple profile support because the the recommendation engine behind Google TV is good, but it'd be even better if it knew the differences between me and my wife and my 12-year-old and my 8-year-old who would definitely be using the kids profile section, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I would think that it's easy enough to integrate that into the experience because you have that panel on the right-hand side. 
that identifies you and it's where you go when you adjust your settings. So they could also incorporate it into that where you just pick who's watching and maybe even give you a who's watching pop up when it wakes up every time you start using it. Yeah. And, and, and if that isn't the case, then how could they possibly implement kids profiles, right? They, they could only implement that in as a part of some sort of profile selection option. So yeah, it's good. I'm glad, I'm glad they're doing this. This is a good idea. Yep. All right. So that's it for video. Let's talk about audio. We have just one audio story this time, and this is about Google play music. If you still have anything up in your Google play music library, meaning that you uploaded music or you purchased music from Google play and you have not either downloaded it or moved it, it will be deleted by February 24th. Now, this was originally supposed to be the end of the year. They ended up pushing it back to the, I don't know why they pushed it like a random eight weeks into the new year, but they did. And you now Richard, have until- I'm not sure if you've heard, but we're experiencing a, a global pandemic. That's, 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 I don't know about anybody else, but I might think that if you haven't figured out life by December 31st (laughs) and you needed those extra eight weeks, (laughs) I don't know. There's been a lot going on, Richard, you know, there has all of that, not leaving your house and, and having to do everything on a computer. Who's got time to download? You would never have time (laughs) to download your music library while you were on that computer 24 seven. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but in any event, it, it, the deadline's coming up. The deadline is basically next week. So you need to download anything that you already uploaded or any purchases that you made. If you want to retain them now for a long time, Google had a tool that automatically synced everything that you had bought down to a local drive. I don't know if that even still exists, but you still have the ability to go in and download stuff in Google Music. Here's the thing. What you can do with all this stuff, if you've subscribed to YouTube Music, which is Google Play Music's successor, is move it to YouTube Music. So here's my question, Josh. I've been scratching my head over this one for like since they announced this over six months ago. Why can't they just do that for you? Like, well, and and they they probably could, but does YouTube Music have a even have the ability to allow you to download stuff? I don't know. I don't know. And and you know what? I even signed up for some free YouTube Music trial thing because, and I haven't even figured out what it gives me. Like, I kind of just don't care about it. YouTube is the last place that I want to be going for music. And it even opened a YouTube music. I downloaded a YouTube music app to my Google TV. You know what it does? It takes me to YouTube. Like, (laughs) I I just, I I don't understand it. I don't care about it. But whatever, it's where the kids go for their music. So for whatever reason, they're not putting your music there automatically. If you want to transfer your music, and you moved with Google from Google Play Music to YouTube Music, you need to go into your Google Play Music profile and 
have it specifically move it to your YouTube account. And Whatever. just to be clear, because because I, I think I was confusing there because GP3 is now asking in the chat. When I asked if YouTube music allows you to download, I, I didn't mean like download the latest Taylor Swift songs that you can listen when you're offline. I, I, I meant things like downloading the music that you've uploaded. Like may, maybe that's just not a built-in feature. That's right. what I or, wasn't sure about. Or even download a music file to your computer, which is different from downloading something into an app to play offline. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And I don't know the answer to that actually. Yeah. I just don't know, but uh, yeah. And, and this is, you know, just another service that's kind of gone by the wayside that offered this capability. Remember Amazon music used to allow you to upload your stuff and they just eliminated it altogether. They're just like, yep, no longer can you upload music files. And of course, Groove had that. And well, yeah, Groove. You can still play your music through OneDrive. It's not a good experience, but you you can. (laughs) Yes, you can. One file at a time. Actually, I think think Groove Music in Windows 10 still integrates with OneDrive. Wait. So as someone who doesn't use Windows 10, on any daily basis groove music as a thing still exists on windows 10. Oh yeah. 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 It's well, it's still an app. It is not a service. I just opened it just to double check. I mean, and, and they still, they have banners built right in that say, Hey, why don't you sign up for Spotify? (laughs) Because they don't have a music. We really want to shut this down. (laughs) Well, yeah. But in terms of like, if you open an MP3 on your Windows 10 PC, by default, it's going to want to open it in Groove Music, not Windows Media Player, which it's still there. Like if you want to use Windows Media Player, it's still there. Frankly, I'm kind of shocked by that because in, in, I mean, until pretty recently, it was still trying to pop Windows Media Player for a lot of stuff. Right. But yeah, like I, I just opened Groove Music and... I don't think that I have this music on my local computer, but I do know it's in my OneDrive. All right. Well, there you go. That's what I learned today. Yeah. It's something you once knew. You just purged from your memory banks because it didn't matter to you. (laughs) Like our next section. Oh, crap. Maybe, maybe (laughs) this will matter to you. Uh, Perhaps, but probably not. So today... Xbox kind of surprised us with a new hardware announcement. No, not a new game console, not a portable game console, not even a hardware announcement like, hey, we're actually going to make enough Xbox Series Xs for you to buy one. No, nothing like that. Instead, it's a new gaming headset. And I'm actually really excited about this one, which maybe doesn't surprise Richard because Richard knows how much I love headphones. Oh, totally. And how much I love headsets. But but this one's kind of cool. So for starters, it's wireless. So that, that automatically makes it a a certain level better. Right. Um, and because it's meant for Xbox, it has the Xbox wireless radios and and protocols and all that stuff built in. So you can just sync this headset right to your Xbox and it uses the same sort of technology that your wireless Xbox controllers use. This isn't the first one to do that. I've got a Turtle Beach headset that works the same exact way. But this one also has Bluetooth. That's not necessarily a new thing either. Like the the next model up from the Turtle Beach headset I have has the the wireless Xbox stuff. 
and Bluetooth. But there's some other good stuff here going on. For one thing, the design of this thing. It just looks like a normal headset. It looks like normal headphones. So there's no like flashing lights and all of this other stuff that would make you look like a weirdo if you wore it out in public. (laughs) I mean, you're not going out in public for a while, probably. But eventually, someday, you might be allowed to leave your house again and ride public transportation and things like that, where you might want some nice headphones. And this one doesn't have like flashing lights and all of that craziness. It's just black headphones with uh, a nice, uh, subtle, like neon green trim around the the (laughs) ear cups. Subtle neon green. (laughs) I mean, it's small. It's not like the the padding on the headphones are are bright green or anything like that. True. It's nice. Uh, so there's that. It's got lots of other technology stuff built in. Like it's got the hardware built in to fully support uh, all all of the different 3D audio formats that that are supported by Windows and Xbox. So that's Windows Sonic, Dolby Atmos, and DTS Headphone X all just natively work. And then and if you go and read the article, like they talk about all of the crazy stuff they do to to try and test this to make sure that it actually really sounds good and all that stuff. And I I had the benefit one time back in 2010, I think it was, I went to Microsoft for the MVP Summit. And I actually got to go to uh, well, like one of their their buildings where they work on audio stuff. And these people are serious when it comes to building and testing audio stuff. So I believe them that it that it's probably going to sound really good and that it's going to be well tuned for for gaming and for being a headset in general. The but when it comes to a headset, the microphone also matters a ton. So this has got a little uh boom microphone that actually it it kind of just folds out from the the ear cup. I feel like that's not the right word, but <laughs> no, that's right. You know, the, the cans on the side of your head, um, it just kind of folds out. So when you don't need it, it's out of the way. You don't even really notice it. Um, and the, the microphone that's in it, it's a dual beam forming microphone. And what that means is that it's really good at focusing on your voice, not everything else, not your kid's voice, a room over not the dog, not, you know, all of the other noise that's happening around you, that it's just focused on your voice and it can minimize everything else that's going on around you. And and this is where I start to think, you know, even for Richard, this might be a headset worth looking into because if it actually does do a good job of focusing on your, well, I don't know, it's still not for Richard. It's not like Richard has kids running around his house, but you know, for for other people, I guess you do have dogs, you know, maybe yep. it does a good job of like uh, filtering out the sound when your dog comes in and shakes his collar all over the place and that makes a bunch of noise. Right, right. right. Or playing with a squeaky toy or who knows? I mean, we don't really know because no one's got their hands on it yet. Um, but it will do that. It also uh, has an auto mute feature that has some adjustability settings on it where it can tell when you're talking and when you're not. And when you're not, it just automatically mutes your microphone. I mean, that's got to be really fast, right? Because as soon as you start talking, it's got to unmute immediately. Right. So I, I don't know. It sounds like 
uh, a really cool feature as long as it's not like cutting off the first half second of everything that I say. It, it sounds pretty awesome. Of course, there's a manual mute button too. And then another nice feature that we've started to see on a lot more gaming headsets lately is the the tip of the microphone, the, the tip that would be out in front of you, uh, has a light on it so that you know, is it muted or is it not? <laughs> so that maybe you don't say some things out loud that you didn't mean for people to actually hear. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Or or if your kids are screaming and you don't want the people that you're playing with to hear that, you can you can tell when you're muted. Uh, of course, the, the cups have uh, controls on them for adjusting the volume and for adjusting the balance between uh, your your games audio and your chat audio. And and by that I mean the chat that you're hearing from from the people that you're playing with. Uh, it does have mic monitoring so that you can hear yourself in the headphones, which helps to keep you from screaming into your headset like a lot of people do with really sound isolating headphones. That's Jen. Even mic monitoring doesn't help me. I'm really loud. <laughs> I think it drives her insane. Yeah, she's <laughs> over there. Not in her head. Yes. Um, and l- like I mentioned, it's got Bluetooth and the Xbox Live or Xbox Audio built in. So you can use this on a phone or a laptop or anything else with Bluetooth. And you can do it simultaneously. So you you could just be maybe listening to music from your phone while playing a game. Or if you're playing some cross-platform game and you're on your Xbox and your friends are on their PC and they're like, I don't know, I don't want to use Xbox Live. We're going to use Discord. Well, you could use Discord on your phone through Bluetooth while still hearing the game audio. So... Wait, wait, wait. So it's not you switch between. You can actually use both at the same time? Correct. That's kind of unprecedented? Well, it, I mean, it would be I, unprecedented others- if it was Bluetooth in both directions, but since it's different radios. Well, I, I know, but are there other other headsets that can do that? I'm not aware of any. I thought you had to switch between. I I think... That some of the other ones do that, like the the okay. Turtle Beach Stealth Seven Hundred that I was talking about earlier. That's that offers Bluetooth and the Xbox Wireless. I think you can use both at the same time, but I'm not positive. Hmm. Interesting. It may be one or the other. Uh, so it, it's wireless, so battery life matters. Fifteen hours of battery life. That's okay. It's not fantastic, but they're also not huge, and they're also they they also don't sound like they're horribly heavy. So probably smaller batteries in them. 15 hours is still pretty decent. They charge with USB-C, so that's really nice. Uh, I'm currently using an old Turtle Beach headset with my Xbox One. My controller is USB-C. My headset is micro USB. So I have to have two cables plugged into my Xbox so that whenever one of them is starting to die, I can plug in the other one. If it was... USB-C for the headset. I only need one cable plugged into my Xbox now. So that's nice. Also, if you want to plug these into a PC, you can do audio through the USB-C uh, cable. So uh, a wired connection does work on, on PCs. Now, here's the thing that I think is kind of the most impressive about all of this. It's 99 bucks. Like that Turtle Beach headset that I've referenced a few times, it's 150 bucks. Right. There's, there's some other competitors that if you want... 
the Xbox wireless and Bluetooth, you're looking at 150 bucks minimum. And this is 99 bucks to start. And it looks really good. It'll work on lots of devices like this. I've been considering replacing my Turtle Beach headset, and I'm almost definitely going to replace it with this. Wow. Yeah, that's a crazy good price. I think, I mean, I don't know if you're thinking you're going to buy one right out of the gate, but I'd be really interested to hear what that sound quality is like. Right, right. Well, I I was planning to buy one right out of the gate, and then I was telling Jen about this and how excited I was, and she's like, hmm, you've got a birthday in April. And I'm like, yeah, but that's a month after when these come out, because this headset comes out March 16th. And I don't, I don't want to wait, but I, I might be waiting. <laughs> Come on, Josh, it's only like five weeks. You can, you can handle it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, I, like I said, I'm super excited about this headset. I, I think it's going to be a really big deal, and and it matches up nicely to what Sony's doing uh, with with their headset for the PlayStation Five, which also mm-hmm. has some of that 3D audio stuff built in, uh, and, and at the same price. So. Uh, excited to see this. Microsoft typically does a pretty good job with their hardware accessories. Oh, one thing I mentioned or that I forgot to mention, if you haven't been able to buy an Xbox Series X yet, it's okay. Microsoft cares about you. It'll work on an Xbox One, all of them. You know, if you've got the old Xbox One that looks like a VCR, it'll work with that. Xbox One S, Xbox One X, all the way up through the latest gen, it works with all of them. See, here I thought you were going to come in with exciting news that Microsoft has solved that problem too, and now they're available everywhere. <laughs> but nope, still no. not yet, and we're halfway through February. No, it's it's sounding like it could be summer before wide-scale availability of the Series X. Just unbelievable. But, I mean, chip shortages across the like every segment. It's not just impacting the Xbox and the PlayStation. It's GPUs from NVIDIA and AMD. And uh, I, I've I've heard that like car manufacturers are having to shut down assembly lines because they can't get chips to put in cars right now. That's bizarre. Okay, because I was thinking, I mean, it doesn't seem to be impacting anything that I'm interested in, really. But okay, cars, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, next story on on the gaming side. These these ones I promise will be faster. Uh, Microsoft is, is definitely working on xCloud streaming for the web. Like we we knew they were, but now we've actually seen some leaks because they're they're doing a little bit wider scale testing. Um, it looks like it requires a Chromium based browser, so that's Chrome, obviously or the latest version of Edge. Can we stop calling it the latest version of Edge, by the way? Like, the, I, I think this, this patch Tuesday of, of in February of 2021, I think they removed the old Edge from Windows 10. So can we just, just call it Edge now instead of Credge and Chromium Edge and all that other stuff? Well, I, I think that? maybe that would be legit if it weren't for the fact that there are probably more Windows installs in offices than there are in homes. And I imagine that the office installations are uh, probably not yet moved over to Credge. 
Perhaps, but you're probably also not looking to do xCloud streaming on your office computer. This is true. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, as far as Edge goes, I mean, you know, in, in Microsoft browser years, Edge is very young still. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So a, a couple of important things here. It's not just like, oh, yay, it's finally coming to a browser. Uh, th- there's two big benefits to that. One, it means that it's coming to your Windows PC soon, which I, like it's still kind of crazy to think about the fact that you can't do xCloud streaming on a Windows PC yet. Yeah. So this is going to enable that. Plus, uh, it, it sounds like this is basically how they're going to integrate the xCloud streaming into the Xbox app on Windows 10 PCs, which makes sense. And then uh, perhaps most importantly, it means that you're going to finally be able to do xCloud streaming from an iPhone or from an iPad because they're not going to release an app. They're they're doing this through the web browser. Right. So uh, still, they're saying officially coming to everybody in the spring. Naming seasons, though, that's that's tough. You know, spring technically starts. No, that's good. That gives them all the way pretty much to the end of quarter two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, up until, you know, June 22nd or something like that. <laughs> you know? It's a big window. It's a three-month window. So yeah. uh, looking forward to that. If you are interested in xCloud, uh, just a reminder, you get that through Game Pass Ultimate subscription. That's the $15 a month subscription, which includes Xbox Live Gold and the Game Pass Library plus the the xCloud streaming. All right, last gaming story. This one is cool. I can't believe this has been a hidden secret for so long, but the Series S and Series X controllers have a feature that older Xbox uh, One controllers didn't have. The little the little sync button has a trick up its sleeve. So if if you wanted to pair a an, an Xbox One controller or Series S or X controller to your Android phone or anything else via Bluetooth, you would pair it the same way you would pair the controller to your Xbox. You hold the sync button down, the light starts flashing, you go into the Bluetooth settings on your device, tell it to look for a device, it finds it, cool, you're good to go. Let's say you've only got one controller because you bought an Xbox Series X, you're the only one in your house that plays, but you also like xCloud from your Android phone. If you want to switch, you have to repair every time you switch between devices. It's kind of a pain in the butt. You don't have to do that anymore if you're using a Series X or a Series S controller because it will remember two devices. And all you have to do is double tap on that sync button and it switches. No more constant pairing to use one controller across two different devices. And this isn't even just for like your Xbox and your phone, you could use this to sync between multiple Xboxes. So really handy little tip here. I don't know why this didn't get announced until some random Xbox developer tweeted it. Like that, That's how this made it out into the world. It was just a tweet from that's an Xbox nuts. guy. Like that's nuts. Why was this not news before? That was like, yeah. you know, an announcement over on the Xbox Wire blog or something like that. It's a super cool feature. This is a feature that I will use. Like now, I will use my Series X controller 
to do xCloud streaming on my phone Ooh. instead of like having to use a dedicated controller or something so that I don't have to deal with the crap of switching back and forth. That's cool. It can pretty much do now what any wireless mouse has been able to do for like 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously. Sure, but most game controllers don't do stuff like this. Right. But I'm glad they're thinking about it because now game controllers are more universally used than just with the paired game console. Right, right. All right, so that's it for our news. Richard, what has been going on in your entertainment center for the last two weeks? Well, as you know, I've talked about using my channel's DVR and channels here while we're in another home. And I've been using that as my primary source of TV. So imagine my dismay a couple nights ago, maybe about a week and a half ago, actually, when suddenly I had no signal from my TV. It's a service unavailable. Like, no, you know, one of those movie scenes. No, I had no idea what was going on. We were really unhappy. I was scrambling because I didn't know how to solve it. I never had a channel's DVR outage before. Of course I had one while I was away. (laughs) And so we ended up making do for the next, like, I don't know, 18 hours until I finally figured out that all I really had to do was go into my Synology, which thankfully I had opened up to make available for me to get to it remotely. And I was able to reset the service and all was well again. And I'm back using my channel's DVR live TV service and DVR. And I'm very happy. Nice. So you're running channels DVR on your Synology. I am. Okay. Well, cool. That that could have been a whole lot worse. Yeah. Let's say I had just run it on some random PC in my home that I didn't have any remote access to. That we would have been, well, well, we would have had to use the terrible Spectrum cable boxes that they have here. And really, they're awful. They're just absolutely awful. So (laughs) I'm glad we didn't have to go down that route. But as far as watching TV on those services, we continue to watch Kim's Convenience. We are now, I believe, in season three on that, continuing to watch Shameless, although I did not catch this week's episode. I still have to watch that. Up to date on Superstore, we continue to watch through Doctor Who, and we're now almost through the Doctor Who specials at the end of season four. I think I mentioned before that I am watching WandaVision and I am caught up on that. And holy crap, that is just so crazy and cool and fun. I'm loving it, but I'm now watching it alone because Edward was not loving it. That is so uh, I'm big into the things where you have to figure out what is going on. He's not so big into that, but (laughs) I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Also been watching Real Time with Bill Maher, as I mentioned previously, and this week, last week tonight, started up again, so I'm very happy about that. John Oliver, Snowpiercer, season two, continuing through that. I'm an episode behind on that, I think, and and like I mentioned before, thoroughly enjoying it. I finished Container Homes on Hulu because, as we've discussed previously, there are only five of them. I liked all five. I want more. I wonder, I wonder and almost hope, (laughs) I hope maybe the reason there aren't any more is because pandemic and they'll revisit it 
when they can go and do this again. I don't know. Was that I don't know if that's Hulu, true or not. Was that a Hulu show? No, or? it was an HGTV show. Okay, so if it comes back, it's going to be on Discovery+. Plus. Shut up. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it as far as stuff that I've been watching. And as far as stuff that I've been listening, work has been getting crazier and crazier. So I haven't been able to listen to my podcasts as much. And I'm now back to being a full week behind on podcasts. Still haven't caught up fully yet. This is a short list for you, Richard. Is everything okay? It is. Did I mention the work has been crazy? <laughs> I mean, I'm working with two clients now. It's been, it's crazy. I'm I'm very busy. Okay, just want to just want to make sure everything's all right. Like everything's you know, all right. Do Do we need to chat after the show? Or? Nope. <laughs> it's all good. It's just a really short list for two weeks for you. I know. Yeah, that makes I know. Sense. Well, be, what one of the things that we've been doing has been focusing. Like we've been watching mm. a lot of episodes of these specific shows. Okay. So, yeah. All right, Josh. How about you? Your list looks longer than it normally would be, but there's. Oh, there's so many games here. Jeez. <laughs> there's only one, two, three, four, five games. Um, some of them are the normals. NHL, of course. Uh, a little bit of the Division 2, I think I talked about that last time. Kind of taking a Call of Duty break. Play some of the Division 2. Yeah, we're done with the Division 2. We're back to Call of Duty. That was the game that we played <laughs> <laughs> this weekend. Uh, <laughs> I had a really, really fun um mode for the valentine's day weekend there's a normal mode called kill confirmed where like in a regular call of duty match you get points for killing other people of course but in kill confirmed when you shoot somebody they drop dog tags and you only get like the maximum number of points if you pick up the dog tags which are just floating in the air above their corpse super realistic and uh, they for the for the holiday weekend they changed it to from from kill confirmed to kiss confirmed. <laughs> oh, good! <laughs> I'm grief. like, we got to check this out. Like, uh, I'm all for for whatever this is. I'm in. <laughs> 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 it, it it wasn't that crazy. It was basically just instead of dog tags floating above the corpse, it was candy hearts that had funny little messages on them. Uh, and then, but what really, really sealed the deal was when you approached the candy heart, it would start making kissing noises. <laughs> it was hilarious. I loved it. It was great. Uh, also played some more of Wasteland 3. One of the things I realized about this game is, you know, for, for longtime listeners of the show, you might remember how much I loved Fallout 3. But then Fallout 4 came out and I was like, I don't care about this story. Like they've added stuff that I'm I'm just not into. Why can't it be more like Fallout 3 or the previous two Fallouts? Wasteland 3 is developed by NXL Entertainment. That is the studio that made the first two Fallout games. Uh. I am I love their writing style. I, I'm not gonna say that the the story is like, you know, the greatest story to ever be written or anything like that, but there's so many different consequences and stuff like the, you know, they had to write all of these different dialogue options. And, and a lot of it is like, like Joe, who I've been playing with, you know, my, my co-host from back when we did story players has been playing it with me. And he listened to an interview with one of the developers and 
in the first 15 minutes of the game, you come upon a character and this character can die in that scene. And and when they die, they're dead. They're not coming back. Or you can save them. They if you save them, they come back like they have a, a big they can have a big role to play in the rest of the game. So they had to do all of the script, all of the voice recording, all of that for this character who could die in the first 15 minutes of the game. And and there's lots of things like that. Um wow. and they still put all of the effort in and and it's it's worth it. Like there's so many cool options and so many fun characters and and so many ridiculous things that happen in this game. Like giant statue of Ronald Reagan who's blasting communist robots with eye lasers like it's pretty like i am so here for that's very very funny it is so good it is so good yeah god president reagan is what they call him it's so so funny i love this game um so played some of that and then also last game here you might have remembered a couple well probably a little over a year ago i mentioned that i had played some of of a game called stardew valley this is a super chill game uh, you're j- it's very like 16 bit graphics and you're a farmer and you build out your farm. Uh, this is not like Farmville, like you're, you're, you know, planting every square of crops and stuff like that. Um, but then there's also villagers in the town that you can befriend and there's a mine to go and collect resources for building things. Plus there's monsters in there to attack. Like it's a, it's a pretty big game. Well, over the last few months, they've released uh co-op modes for this game and so on a whim i was like hey jen jen who does not play games you really liked gardening this year uh, what's what's your level of interest in playing a farming game with me and she's like yeah 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 that sounds cool let's try it so we tried it yesterday and she liked it like she's sitting there wow. with an xbox controller playing a video game with me it was pretty fun i i don't she's she's giving me the eh hands right now so i uh, we'll, we'll see if i can get her to do it again all right but it was fun next up plants versus zombies <laughs> she does play some of those mobile type games um she, she's got one that she loves i can't think of what it's called i don't really play those types of games but yeah she does play phone games uh so that's it on the gaming front on the book front i i had finished, I don't remember if I mentioned this on the last episode, I finished book six in Stephen King's The Dark Tower series. So I'm now on the final book, book seven of The Dark Tower series called The Dark Tower. Uh, excited to be wrapping this up. It's been a, pre- a pretty cool story. If, cool. if you can handle some of the things that happen in Stephen King books, uh, it's, you know, it's obviously not the, uh, the most pleasant content from time to time. Um, it's been good. It's been a really, really interesting story. Kind of, kind of a mix of fantasy, sci-fi, western stuff. All of that together. Um, which, I mean, in some ways, is not that dissimilar from like Star Wars or Firefly, um, but a, a little bit darker and a lot more supernatural stuff going on. Things like that. Uh, but it's been, it's been good. So, looking forward to finishing that up. But this is another like 30-hour audiobook, so it's going to take me a couple of weeks. Uh, of course, watched a little bit of hockey. And then I think, yeah, on the last episode, I had said we've watched some of WandaVision. I think we had watched three episodes. Does that sound right? 
And I was yes. like, Richard, I don't because know. Because it all one. changes in episode four. Yeah. So it was three episodes. It's like, I don't, I don't know. And you convinced me. You're like, no, you have to watch episode four. So that weekend, we sat down, me, my wife, my 12 year old, and we watched episode four and we're like, oh, okay. Now we get it. And we are continuing to watch. Um, I think we watched episode five. I can't remember. W- w- what's the most recent episode? Is it six? The most. So, yes, six is the most recent episode. Five is the 80s sitcom episode. Okay, we did see episode five then, but we have okay. not seen episode six yet. Yeah, it, it got real interesting in episode four. You were right. Worth sticking yep. with it. <laughs> yep, definitely worth it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for what I've been doing in my entertainment center. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can do that in a bunch of different ways. We're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at Digimedia Zone. We're on Facebook and we've got email and all that stuff. Go over to the digitalmediazone.com. Find the show notes where you'll be able to find the links to all of the stories we talked about tonight, plus all of that contact info, including a link to listen to the show live, typically Tuesday nights at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, usually, but follow us on Twitter to know for sure, because we always tweet about when we're going to be doing the show live. While you're there, you can check out Richard's other podcast. It is called Home On. Richard, what's going on with Home On? I mentioned last time that I was planning on recording with Dave McCabe, and we just did that a couple days ago. I, I am so excited. I recorded an episode of Reset with him. He recorded an episode of Home On with me. So that will be the next episode of come of Home On coming out, I hope, before the end of the week. But I just don't know. I need to get this produced and out. But this is such a week. I just don't know what to expect. <laughs> so hopefully before the next Entertainment 2.0. How about that? Okay. Okay. Yeah. See previous comments about being... Uh, really busy with work. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 549. Richard, that means next episode is 550. 550. Yeah. Kind of a big it, deal. It sounds big, but there's no real like logical, oh, 550. What do you do for 550? Nothing. Who knows, you, know? you, you show up and like, you record it like any other right. week, just like 549. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, he's Richard Gunther. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.